I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 61, The Matchless Gift of God's Divine Son, studying Christmas and a variety of scriptures. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Alrighty. I... I'm glad I double-checked my mic because it was not plugged in, and that would have been unfortunate to do my entire episode and not have to have been plugged in on my mic because then you would just be getting me talking into the computer mic, which is significantly inferior to my mic. Anyway, enough of that. Now that I've spent, what, 30 seconds talking about my mic, let's move on. So this um, episode, this lesson in Come Follow Me is about Christmas and the Christmas and the Easter, um, episodes or lessons, so to speak, um, are typically just a variety of different scriptures. It doesn't necessarily focus on one specific scripture. So I'm looking specifically at two, um, different things. Um, oh, just kidding. Three different things. So the living Christ, and then I'm looking at a talk from 2017, um, by president Nelson drawing the power of Jesus Christ into our lives. And then I'm looking at John chapter 20 verses 14 through 17. Um, so let's start with the living Christ. Um, if you have not had the opportunity recently to study the living Christ, to take a look at it and reread it, highly, highly, highly recommend, especially given kind of the state of the world at the moment. Um, I feel like every time I turn on the news, some other horrible thing has happened and, um, the living Christ is not horrible. <laughs> it's one of those things that you read and you feel better and you're like, okay, you know what? Yes, the world is crazy. Yes, the world does not make any sense. But we have an all-knowing, all-loving Heavenly Father who provided a Savior for us um, who 100% understands and loves us um, unconditionally and wants us to repent and to come home with him. And he's showing us how to do it. Um, there's a couple of parts I really wanted to focus on that I think are, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing start to finish is super important. Um, sorry, people on the YouTube video, they're sitting here like, what is she doing? I have like a hair or something stuck in my eye. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, um, <laughs> the podcast people are like, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. Um, so we solemnly testify that his life, which is central to all human history, neither began in Bethlehem nor concluded on Calvary. He was the firstborn of the father, the only begotten son in the flesh, the redeemer of the world. Um, and I love this because I think sometimes we get caught up in our little blip here. And not to say that we shouldn't, not that, to say that we should discount what we do here on earth at all, um, that we should discount our lives or make them less meaningful. But I think that we sometimes get so caught up in what's happening right now, right in front of us, 
that we forget that we are eternal beings. Christ is an eternal being who existed before Bethlehem, who existed after Calvary, who exists right now. And that we too have this divine nature. We too are eternal beings who existed prior to Columbus, Georgia, which is where I was born. And I will exist beyond, I don't know, wherever it is that I die, Mars, who knows, right? Um, but it's, it signifies, right? Bethlehem and Calvary signify the beginning and the end of Christ's mortal life here on planet earth. But it does not signify his existence, if that makes sense. Um, which is something for me um, that I always find a lot of comfort in. Okay. Um, here's another part that I, I highlighted. He will rule as king of kings and reign as lord of lords. And every knee shall bend and every tongue shall speak in worship before him. It reminds me of the scripture... Um, every knee shall bend and every tongue confess that he is the savior, um, which I think I just kind of botched a little bit, but I love that verse because I think it's one of these things where I remember growing up and being like, okay, second coming comes, but like, what about all the people that don't believe in Christ? Like how, how does he, how, how do you prove that you're Jesus? Like, how do you, how do I don't understand how that would work. Um, and not to say that I understand better, you know, it's not like he's going to show up with a passport and be like, well, here's my legal identification. Everybody's been, oh yeah, okay. Um, but I also know that his second coming is going to be in the glory and fire and everything, all the things, um, that the Jews were expecting the first time around. They were not expecting him to come to earth as a little baby born of a virgin in a manger. Um, he, they were, they were expecting like a war leader type situation. They wanted the skies to explode with light and for him to rain down like fire from heaven and angels and fury and light and all the things. Um, and that's not how it went down the first time. But it's considerably closer to how it's going to go down the second time. And so I think that, and I think about how, like, technology is right now, where, like, somebody can tweet something in Australia, and I will find out about it pretty much instantly, and how people can live Instagram stories, and you can put something on the internet, and it will blow up with two million views in a matter of minutes. And I just think that like the entire world will know the entire world will know when Christ comes again. Um, okay. This is the last thing I wanted to touch on in the living Christ. And then we're going to move on. Um, Jesus is the living Christ, the immortal son of God. He is the great King Emmanuel who stands today on the right hand of his father. He is the light the life, and the hope of the world. His way is the path that leads to happiness in this life and eternal life in the world to come. God be thanked for the matchless gift 
of his divine son. Um, so kind of off topic, but still on topic. Jake and I have been watching, I don't know if you have Disney Plus, if you do, highly recommend. Um, Will Smith has this special, there's like six episodes called Welcome to Earth. Um, very cool. If you're a Will Smith fan, you will thoroughly enjoy this. I, I'm a big Will Smith fan. I've loved the guy for forever, right? Okay. Um, in the second episode, he goes into the deep abyss. He goes into, I think it's the second episode. I'm pretty sure it's the second episode. It might be the third. But anyway, there's one of the episodes. He goes into the ocean and, like, deep into the ocean. Like, I think it's, like, a couple thousand feet. I might be wrong. But I feel like it's, like, he's down there, like, at least, like, 2,000 feet. Something like that. Um, no light exists down there. There is no light. Except there also is because there are these creatures that emit light from their very bodies. And they talk about all these different things about the color spectrum and about how, um, you know, these different animals behave in different ways and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, and so he was saying how incredible it was to see these creatures that have never seen light in the way that we understand light. They've never seen the sun. They've never seen a light bulb. They've never, you know, like there are these things that are commonplace to us land dwelling critters that these creatures have never seen. And as Jake and I were watching this, I'm like, how incredible. This is the thought that came to me. Even in the darkest abyss, God puts light. There is no place that is so dark that God cannot put light there. Um, and I think that that's a testament to him. And I think that that's an incredible example for me of how Christ can be in our lives where it can feel so dark. It can feel oppressively dark to the point where like they did one thing, um, when they were down there, they were trying to get the bioluminescence to act up and it's something to do with the flashing lights and stuff. Anyway, and the, the guy running the sub told Will Smith, he's like, okay, close your eyes. And he turned the lights off and he told him, open your eyes. And Will's like, that, it doesn't look any different. Like, it literally is so dark down there, you could not tell if your eyes were open or not. Um, anyway, bioluminescence was super cool. But there are times in our lives where that darkness feels tangible. Where it feels so oppressive. It feels so heavy and all-encompassing that we can't tell if our eyes are open or not because it is so thick. But Christ is still there and his light is still there and his light can still cut through that. Um, and it might feel small like these tiny little bioluminescent bugs. Plankton. I don't know what I'm... I was going to be a marine biologist and then I failed... AP bio and that part of my life ended. So I don't remember what they were, but my point is Christ is the light, the life and the hope of the world. And I love that so much. Okay. Um, in drawing the power of Jesus Christ into our lives, um, president Nelson talks about a couple of different things. I think when in April 2017, when he actually gave this talk, I don't think he was President Nelson yet. Um, I think President Monson was still around. But 
Um, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on here. Um, I, again, highly recommend going through and listening to the whole thing. If you're like, Tanika, I don't have time to sit down and read a talk. Um, if you have the Gospel Library app, you can go in, find the talk, April 2017 General Conference, and hit play, and you, it will play the video from General Conference, and you can just watch the one little video. Um, and I like to watch them like while I'm doing the dishes or like picking up Lego in the front room or whatever. Uh, okay, so this is the thing I wanted to talk about, the part that I wanted to focus on the most, because um, I can hear the baby and he's starting to revolt. There is nothing easy or automatic about becoming such powerful disciples. Our focus must be riveted on the Savior and his gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. Okay, this is the first part I want to read. And I want to focus on this concept that it is, there's nothing easy or automatic about it, and that it is mentally rigorous to do this. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. So if you're going through life being like, oh my gosh, it is so hard. It is so hard to focus on Christ all the time. It is so hard to keep my thoughts on him all the time. I can't, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. It does. The, the prophet makes it look so easy. The counselors, the general authorities, my bishop, my relief society presidency, they all make it look so easy. I must be doing it wrong. I must not be very good at this because don't listen to that. That is Satan because our prophet told us our prophet, the man who literally probably has the closest relationship to our Heavenly Father and Savior Jesus Christ, the man who literally dedicates his life to the gospel and to leading the saints back to Christ, back to our Heavenly Father, has said it is mentally rigorous. There is nothing, nothing easy or automatic about this. It is work. And I don't know about you, but the idea of that is like, oh, okay, it's not supposed to be easy. I am supposed to struggle. I'm doing this right. I'm on the right path and it's not going to be easy. Okay. Okay. I feel like for me, when I think something's going to be easy and I struggle, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I suck at this. But if I'm told, listen, this is going to be really hard. And you're going to struggle and it's going to be miserable sometimes. And you're going to wonder if you're doing it right. And that's normal. And that's fine that you're on the right path. That is what the path looks like. It, this is an uphill climb on a mountain. There's no guardrails. There's no um, stairs. You're literally trudging up a path with crumbly rocks. Yes, this is going to be hard. Then I'm like, okay. Okay, I know what I'm getting into. This is going to be hard. He says, he goes on to say, Faith in Jesus Christ propels us to do things we would otherwise not do. Faith that motivates us to action gives us more access to his power. Faith without works is dead, right? We all know this. We hear this all the time. And I love that it's this faith propels us to do things we would not otherwise do. And I think that it's not, it's not just, well, I would talk to people 
that I wouldn't otherwise talk to. I think it's also, I think of um, Al Caraway, who formerly Al Fox. A lot of people know her as a tattooed Mormon. She actually doesn't really like that um, nickname, but um, she talks about when she first joined the church, how her family literally was like, we're not talking to you anymore. You're weird. Like she lost her relationships with her family upon following the church, but that faith propelled her to do something that she would not otherwise have done. There was nothing else in the world that would have taken her from her family and risk those relationships. But her faith in Christ was like, no, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. And she did it. And um, if you are unaware, she and her dad have made up everything's good now. So um, she actually has like three cute little kids. You should follow her on Instagram. She's super cute. Anyway, um, the last thing I want to talk about in, um, in this particular talk is on this same note, another element in drawing the Savior's power into our lives is to reach up to him in faith. Such reaching requires diligent, focused effort. Again, this isn't easy. This isn't automatic. We all have a natural man that fights our divine nature. Um, we live in a fallen world that by nature fights our divine nature. There is nothing easy or automatic about this. Reaching for our Savior's power requires diligent, focused effort. And reading this, like, made it more concrete in my mind. This is why we're told, pray multiple times every single day. This is why we're told, be in your scriptures, read your scriptures, study your scriptures, ponder them, be in them every single day because these little things these diligent focused efforts however small they will be can bring to pass those great things they can bring us closer to drawing to the savior's power they can bring us closer to him making that reach a little bit less far away a little bit closer um and i think that when we think about this when we know that this journey isn't easy, this journey is a struggle, that he knows us, he knows how hard this is, and he is reaching for us too, that it makes it a little less hard, right? We're able to yoke ourselves to him. He's able to make our burdens a little bit lighter. He doesn't take them from us. They're so necessary. And that's awful sometimes. It's so awful that we have these burdens that are so necessary. Um, but we have to have them and that's how we get closer to him because that weight helps give us traction towards him. Um, and I just wanted to end with this last um, quotation from um, President Nelson's talk. When you reach up to the Lord's power in your life with the same intensity that a drowning person has when grasping and gasping for air, power from Jesus Christ will be yours. When the Savior knows you, 
truly want to reach up to him, when he can feel that the greatest desire of your heart is to draw his power into your life, you will be led by the Holy Ghost to know exactly what you should do. And I just want to end um, saying Merry Christmas. And I want to bear my testimony that I have had these moments of overwhelming fear and overwhelming darkness and just not knowing even slightly what to do and reaching towards my Savior and reaching towards my Heavenly Father with the simple prayer of please, what do I do? And having the Holy Ghost speak to me and tell me exactly what to do. Even if it's not my first thought, even if it's not, I, that's not the decision I would have picked for myself, right? It is not, um, what I would have otherwise done. When I do it, when I listen, it's always the right choice. And I just want to end with that. And I will talk to you next week.